You're listening to Big on Small, the official small business podcast powered by Inspire Hub. I'm Carolyn Hart. And I'm Samantha Castro. We unpack the big ideas happening in small organizations for businesses, agencies, schools, towns, charities, and teams. Because what we know is that good things come from small packages, and there's nothing small about doing good. In today's episode, we're taking a look at whether or not your small business is showing good form when it comes to adjusting to remote work and what it takes to stack your company for big success in the face of all this transition. That's right. We're talking with Chris Byers, the CEO of Formstack, one of the world's fastest growing form automation software companies who leveraged a remote workforce years before there was ever a pandemic. Chris is a humble leader, and today we talk with him about what it took to build a thriving remote culture for their over 250 employees around the world. Also, why a leader's view on trust impacts culture and how failure can be a launching pad to achieving great big success. Our story begins in 1997. Chris Byers is studying for his BA in finance at Anderson University in Indiana. It's here that Chris finds himself wanting to explore more of his interests like technology. Up to this point, he'd had some experience fixing computers and thought it would be fun to join the IT department to learn more. Within this department, he met and became really good friends with computer science and mathematics major Ade Alano. Not only did they share an interest in technology, but they also shared an entrepreneurial spirit, which led to Chris's first business venture outside of college in 2000. We started a company together actually late in college, and it's really probably his idea more than anything to get the business started. Bottled Software was the company, and we started meeting with five five of us, and we all became kind of equal partners and said, hey, let's go at this. We started thinking about creating custom web-based software, and we were doing real basic stuff like let's do a business plan and let's form our first LLC and and things like that 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 you might need to do. But the idea was technology and and really software and online software was becoming relevant to a lot more people. And so we were trying to help equip people with e-commerce sites and content management systems and things like that. And so that was kind of the first journey that we had together. The first, as you'll see, because although Bottled Software ended up shutting down in 2002, it wouldn't be the last time Aude and Chris would work with each other. More on that in a few minutes. Since Bottled Software was the first business Chris had the opportunity to be part of, he learned a lot of things, as many new business owners do. I always take that experience as, as a lot of lessons. And at least one of those lessons for me was, I, I don't think I was like aggressively in it for the money, but I was definitely motivated by some sense of, you know, I, I'm going to make this big and I will probably eventually make a bunch of money. And, and, and that was probably why I was there. And it took until, you know, a few years of doing other things to really see at least for me, the only way I can think about actually building an organization is having a real purpose. And that real purpose really needs to serve people in some way. And yes, you're going to make some money along the way. And yes, you can create a big organization even. But uh, if your motivation is just about the money, I'm sure you can grow a big business, but uh, I don't think it's the right way. And I think you're missing out on an opportunity to have uh, impact on people. But yeah, back in college, it was totally uh, more of a freedom thing probably for me. Like, how, how can I be in business so I don't have to work for someone? Many people with an entrepreneurial mindset have had this thought. I know I have. But sometimes you have to change the way you look at things when situations and circumstances change around you. Like, for example, when the business you started has to close its doors. 
So taking what he learned with his time at Bottled Software, Chris decides to move into the financial industry where he starts as a financial advisor at a firm before moving into the healthcare industry in 2004. At this company, his role includes helping to raise capital for healthcare buildings, equipment, and operating needs. It was in this industry that Chris had an experience that shaped him as a leader in a major way. We had really tough challenges in raising enough money to buy the buildings or build the buildings we wanted to get operations. So we built surgery centers and we needed to do this over and over and over again. And banks tended to be hard to work with and and get the money that we were needed. And yet I got to work with somebody who basically taught me kind of never to see no as a barrier. And that when you hear a no, okay, fine, you might need to shift your plan or your strategy, but you can probably get accomplished what you're trying to get accomplished. You just need to keep going at it and maybe make it a little bit more creative and, and you know shift to another person or another style of lender, let's say, um, or think about offering them kind of access to seeing how your operations work. Or I don't, I don't it's a little bit vague, but I think that never never seeing somebody saying, yeah, no, I'm not going to give you that money to stop you because there, there is someone and there's some way to probably get it done if you've got a reasonable plan. But that just taught me a framework for kind of just never seeing anybody's response of, no, we can't do that as realistic. It's like, no, I, I think we can. I think, there's a, I think there's a way. But the more and more people who have seen that no happen, like, no, we can't build that style of product or we can't do it fast enough, but then end up seeing it actually play out. I think you, you enlighten people to kind of a new way of thinking. I saw this meme and most memes I tend to like either chuckle or roll my eyes, but this one I thought was really good. And it just said that no stands for next opportunity. And I remember thinking, you know, that's, that's a great reminder. Cause I think that there's a lot of people who've never encountered that line of thinking of the possibility thinking of that fact that if someone is saying to you, the answer is absolutely not, they just go, okay. And they, they walk away instead of saying, well, I guess I'm not going to take that path. What's the next opportunity for me to still achieve the success that we need to have. And it is definitely a mindset that it requires practice. I tell my team that the greatest lessons I've ever been given did not come from my success. It it came from two things, people telling me no and my own failures. So. Oh, I, I think that's uh, hopefully that's the real lessons that most of us learn over time. I, I know from I mentioned my first business, but it was that first business that taught me. I thought we needed a cool office space, and so uh, with no revenue and you know no good plan, uh, signed a seven year lease or something on, on an office space that was just totally unnecessary. And you know, it kind of created this longer term. I, I will. I now avoid all leases as much as possible when, when I think about office space. But it's basic stuff like that that after enough of those experiences play out, I do think we we really grow from them. And I, I do think you're right. A lot of people do see that no from someone or that you know you can't do this as as oh I guess they know what they're talking about, so I won't even try. And I think teaching people how to you know really gauge is that true or, or maybe keep trying keep persisting uh, that can be difficult but but if you can overcome it you can see some great results Chris was seeing great results within this healthcare company and in 2007 he becomes the vice president of finance and investors relations and this is a big promotion however he's hesitant to accept because as exciting successful and meaningful this career path was for Chris he was feeling called to do something different. Not long after accepting the VP role, he decides this other call 
is just way too loud to ignore. My wife and I felt called to do something totally different. And so we actually sold all of our belongings and uh, moved our family. Our kids were two and four at the time. And we moved to London and were there for a couple of years where we helped start a church. We helped do consulting with pastors in the UK and kind of Europe at at a broader sense. He left the business world, moved his family to a different country to do what he felt was important and more meaningful to his life. We took a moment to ask Chris about what the most surprising thing about his journey is. And for him, it's this moment right here. The decision to leave the healthcare company to go do something different. We broke that career track. And in fact, my wife has actually broken her career track multiple times. And yet we have both had this great opportunity to come back around to jumping back into things and and continuing really maybe even at a more speedy pace than we were, we were on kind of before, what that has enabled me to do is say, you know what, I don't have to do everything that the world tells us to do. <laughs> I don't have to follow that plan and path. I can actually, even if it feels risky, even if it feels something you know, just totally off, off the plan, if I think it's the right thing to do, I probably should consider doing it because it doesn't mean I'm, I'm never going to get to get back to what I initially thought the plan was. And so I'd say even in business, often we've cast vision that didn't come true. And that's really frustrating and and demoralizing at times. But I then found years later, like it comes back and it just comes back in a slightly different form or, or just took more years than we thought. And I think kind of never, never believing that I get off the track that I'm on today, that I can't somehow get back to that maybe vision or belief in the future that, that I had in my mind. You know, it's interesting because if you're in healthcare and financial services, especially early on, I mean, these are risk averse. I mean, it's very stable. And so you all of a sudden say, we're going to go do this, as you call it, you know, we're going to break this career path. What was the response from, I mean, your wife was with you because she's done it herself. So she obviously shares that value system. But what was the response from the network around you when you went and did that? Oh yeah, people have always looked at us weird and <laughs> um, don't understand it, and and sometimes even that causes a bit of a break in the relationship because they think we're abandoning them or or you know the right path. And so I will say, over time, people have come to accept it and say, "Okay, I get it that it works for you for whatever reason." But yeah, people's initial reactions are, are definitely not. Uh, it's not something most people do. I will say one one change in the world today is is this because of remote work. I have seen a lot more people feel very comfortable pursuing dreams like living around the world and being able to continue to their, their job, uh, you know, during all that. So uh, it's been it's been cool to see maybe the world progress a little bit there. The nonprofit that Chris worked for in England, Blue Door Ministries, was progressive in their efforts back in 2007. Not only did they operate and communicate with churches in the UK and Europe, but also with those in Africa. And it was this church that really helped their mission in multiple ways. So we were partnered with a church called Life Church, and one of the things they did was give away all their resources for free. And some of the the resources that they had were basically everything that happened on a weekend, uh, et cetera, because they already had a concept of multiple campuses and locations. So kind of everything got recorded and you know broadcast from a single location. And so it, it kind of the nice benefit of that is it turned into video content or downloadable video content. And so we just kind of said, really just opened our arms to kind of anybody who was interested in learning more about how to do that and how to use those resources. In this particular case, 
what it kind of enabled a lot of pastors to do, especially those in country. You know, if, if you're in the U.S. or North America, you might be used to churches on every corner. And in fact, probably enough people that are going to give enough where you can support the pastor and, and maybe a small staff. You know, a lot of other places in the world this is just not that way. Pastors need to work multiple jobs. So actually having some things like sermon content or maybe even at times just using someone else's sermon uh, just was really enabling for people to do, you know, reach people around them, but also uh, not be so taxed that they burn out. And so uh, we got just an opportunity to meet people across the world and, and do some training with them, do some consulting. The other thing we were doing, and this was 10 years ago, uh, was helping people uh, per- participate in and be a part of a, kind of a church online concept. So today, if, if you're kind of in a faith community or a church, uh, the past three months or so with COVID, actually, a lot of people have converted to some sort of online church but it was kind of what we were doing 10 years ago when nobody believed it was a thing and or, or a good idea. And uh, But it was, a, it was a great adventure for us and, and really learning uh, kind of for us in our, in our history. That's fascinating. It informs so much when you, I think, when you're looking at the cultures that you're going to build into a company as you move through different industries, you're seeing some best practices, financial services and healthcare being very regulated, all the things that go with that. And then Going into a church startup environment, which I mean, you're basically on call 24-7, just like in IT, people don't realize that. (laughs) You're always on call uh, when you're doing that. And then obviously that remote work. So was that remote work with the churches? Was that the first time you started really leading remotely? Yeah, you know, it's a funny, at the time, I never thought about it as a remote kind of environment, but I was both partnering, we were partnering with uh, a church back here in the US and then doing a lot of work there kind of on the ground in the, in the UK and, and Europe. And so we started using Skype a lot. We'd have team meetings that included people from the US and you know I'd have to get up at weird hours of the night to get to get on the right uh, kind of US schedule at times. And so it was kind of this great education in remote, even though that wasn't what I was thinking at the time and, and, and led, I think, a lot in a lot of ways to our remote kind of environment today, just me observing and, and seeing that it's pretty easy, really, to, to make work work via a remote kind of style. As you heard, The work that Chris was doing within this organization varied in the different solutions and resources that they were providing to these churches. While Chris was in London, back in the States, Ade was starting to thrive with his new company called Formspring. Formspring, which would later change their name to Formstack, was created to provide an easy-to-use form builder for users to collect information, something that Chris needed across the pond within his organization. We took donations using Formstack, and and so I was a user, and even even the uh, kind of database today, I'm user number five of uh, kind of all that we've uh, signed up over time. And so even early on, I saw this really cool way to use the product. I think when we had our church, we let people sign up for things using Formstack, and so there was. Uh, this appreciation of how much power it gave me as a non-technical user. And I'd say that's probably the most important thing for me is I am not technical. I have always been in technology, but I'm not, I can solve problems, uh, but I'm not particularly, I don't have coding, you know, background skills. And so Formstack is this kind of beautiful merger of maybe you can solve problems, but don't know how to code. We're going to enable you to do a lot of that and never have to learn uh, how to code, but you still get to solve your own problems. And so enabling that non-technical user is kind of an important part of the journey. 
This empowerment that Chris felt when using Formstack in the early days, before it was even called Formstack, shows the reach that a well-designed product can have. Not only was he using it to help churches around the world, he was also supporting a friend with his company that was solving a problem for him in his day-to-day life. I think that this is important to highlight because the people you choose to surround yourself with can either help or hinder your life in various ways. They can support you in the work that you're doing by using your product and giving you honest feedback that at times could be harsh, but in the long run is exactly what you need to hear in order to make a better product. This was kind of the relationship between Ade and Chris. The ability for them to be on the same page for what this product, Formspring, was doing and capable of doing was one of the reasons that Ade asked Chris to come and join their team in early 2010 as Chris and his family were moving back to the U.S. You see, although Formspring was originally created for users to create basic forms, in 2009, they launched Formspring.me, a social question and answer site where users could ask questions, give answers, and learn more about their friends. This branch of the company really started to take off, and it became difficult for Ade to focus on his new social media aspect, plus the form aspect. So Ade asked Chris for help. He needed to move to California to fund it and hire people. And so I said, well, let me kind of come in and run this for six months and I'll see if I can find somebody to run it long term. And about four or five months in, he was like, "Uh, will you stay? (laughs) And I was just I really loved the people that I was working with. It was a fun team and the product itself. I just loved what it did. And so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do this. I'll stay. At the start of 2010, Chris and his family make the move from Oklahoma to Indianapolis, Indiana, to go work for this newly renamed company, Formstack. And when Chris comes into the picture, the team at Formstack is still quite small. Yeah, a kind of team of seven people all in, a, in an office together at the time. We didn't go remote until 2012. So just you look back on, on the days of, of being smaller and fondly because you knew everybody really well and you know, just kind of engaged quite a bit. Ah, the good old days, where the team is small, everyone knows everyone, where you, hopefully, enjoy working together, and after big milestones, you may raise a glass and say, tomorrow, there'll be more of us, telling the story of tonight. Shout out to my Hamilton fans. But, as with any good story, there's lots of lessons and adjustments that happen along the way. And after the break, we hear from Chris on how he's built the remote culture he has today, and advice for you if you're a small business wondering if staying fully remote is the right call. This episode of Big on Small is brought to you by us, InspireHub, creators of the award-winning iHub app, the small business digital experience platform that allows you to rapidly build websites, apps, and portals to help your small business thrive. Since its start seven years ago, InspireHub has been a 100% remote company, but even we have found working during a pandemic to be extraordinarily difficult. If we who are experienced at remote work are struggling, we can only imagine how difficult it is for you. That's why we published Loving Remote, a free ebook to help you create an inspirational remote culture at your small business. It's packed with the lessons we learned the hard way, like why your exhaustion isn't caused by Zoom fatigue, what you can do to make your virtual meetings amazing, and why working remotely 
could be the positive game changer your team has been waiting for. Download your free copy by visiting inspirehub.com forward slash loving remote. That's inspirehub.com forward slash loving remote. Chris mentioned before the break that when he first came to Formstack, they were not remote. They had an office where they came in every day to get the job done. But within the first two years of Chris being there, his focus was really in wanting to build the culture and product of Formstack with this idea of reimagining the world of work in the forefront of everything they did. My simple philosophy wasn't a strong philosophy toward remote. It was simply around you should work where you are most healthy, basically, or, or, or where you can get the most productive work done. And in the early days, that was if you want to go work at a coffee shop, fine, go. Uh, or if you want to work at home for the morning and then come in, that's fine. And yet over time, that becomes and as we've embraced remote, it's like, oh, you, you know, you've got something going on with your family and it'd be great to go move back to where they're from. Great. Go. You don't need to be in the office. And so it's this idea that there are far too many things, uh, we'll call them shoulds, but there are far too many shoulds in our lives that we're like, well, this is the way it is. And so this is the way I'm going to keep doing it. And, uh, you know, we think about the same thing with our product. We want the most beautiful moment that we're looking for is that moment that somebody tries our product and solves maybe that original thing they were looking for, something simple, maybe like a job application or a quote form or, or a reimbursement form. And then they keep using the product and, and this kind of moment of delight happens where they're like, oh, I can I can use this in seven other ways and I can still do it before I even have to pay more money. Like there, there's still room to get that done. And, you know, what we hope to enable more people to do is just solve these nitpicky manual time kind of sucking problems that aren't that complicated, but you just need kind of software to get the job done. And so where we can enable people to do that, we, we love getting to do that and, and get to see the delight on kind of their faces, or we usually only see that via email, but, you know, get to see the delight that they uh, kind of experience. This idea of reimagining the world of work, both in the human and in the culture aspect of a company, is something that we've talked about on the show before with the Being Human at Work with Lolly Kasabi episode. There's a direct correlation between how engaged your employees are at work, which directly impacts their performance, and in turn, the organization as a whole to be successful or not. As a leader, Chris was enabling the employees of Formstack to do what they needed to do in order to feel good at work. And this approach, as pragmatic as it was, still came with its challenges. Isn't that right, Chris? Definitely. I, I think the challenge is, I mean, take a remote world. The, the challenge that you might quickly run into is the very basics are pretty simple. So uh, Zoom or Slack or, or these, these tools that help you work remotely, those are pretty straightforward. Anybody can adopt them overnight. It's, it's fast. What you might learn, though, is months in, you decide, you know what, we need to start a new department or we need a new, we're kind of kicking up a new initiative. And all of a sudden, that collaborative, very collaborative, like we need to bounce back and forth in conversation pretty quickly for rapid feedback. That stuff gets a lot more complicated because you can't sit right next to each other. And as we all know now, we can't sit on video all day either because that's super taxing. And so we've had to overcome those challenges in different ways. And, and sometimes, for instance, that's you do need to physically meet up. Um, and then other times we've found creative solutions to say, you know what, it's very uh, taxing to sit on video staring at the camera all day. We actually can turn on Zoom for hours at a time. But just with the agreement with your other you know, person, 
we're just going to be here and but go do work and kind of forget that the camera's on. But you know that when you do have a question, just open your mouth and start talking. <laughs> and, and we're kind of like working beside each other in a way. And so you'd have to just come up with these ways to how do you collaborate differently? Because in a remote world, productivity goes up, but collaboration kind of goes down. Did you have any leadership challenges when people are coming into your new culture? Because you have to have a high level of trust to have a remote workforce, right? For you to say, hey, if you want to go work in a coffee shop, knock yourself out. If you want to come in, knock yourself out. But really, how do you train new employees that have come out of an environment where there's low trust and now suddenly bam like is that that I know in my company I actually jokingly call us recovery hub because I have to spend time training our staff on that our new employees is that something that you've encountered at Formstack Oh 100% you know we early on in remote I think there was a strong feeling of distrust of what yeah I don't know what somebody's doing right now and if their work is not getting done in the way that I might expect it, then I start to have these feelings of maybe they're not getting the job done. And somewhere along the way, I did discover that at least a big chunk of that is my own mindset. And I did have to kind of move to this. I mean, it took a lot of frustration to finally wrestle with it and accept kind of this, this phrase we use, which is give people your trust and let them earn your mistrust. And so, you know, start by saying, you know what, I think they're probably doing the right thing. And they can prove that that's wrong, and they do sometimes. Uh, but in, until they do that, just start with that level of trust. But then there did become this like foundational communication challenge, and we actually turned it into a cultural value uh, called communicate status. So if you think about status on your social media profile, it's this like quick, you know, I'm eating lunch right now. I'm you know not super important. Doesn't even have to be that much content. But we had to kind of teach people, you need to be very proactive in just dropping quick, you know, notes to your manager, notes to your team. And it can just be working on some stuff. Here's how it's going. Here's where I need some help. Uh, Because if you don't do that, you become this drag because that makes everybody else's job harder. I got to go find that person. And what are they doing? And, and then I do start to develop this kind of lack of trust. But, but I would say, I, th- I think you do have to build a very high trust environment. And for those who are coming out of a, a non high trust environment, it can be unnerving because frankly, sometimes people love a lot of very specific direction. They claim they don't, but at times they really do. And if you give them that freedom, sometimes they, they have a hard time finding what, okay, where are those boundaries and, and how do I that we work within the system. Working within a remote environment is not for everyone. In many ways, being in remote work, you have to have a little more of the drive and motivation to get up every morning, put on clothes, yes, that includes pants, and go to the quote-unquote office, only to sit down with none of your coworkers physically beside you. It can be hard. But as Chris was just speaking on, There are ways that you as a leader within a remote organization can help your employees feel part of the team and help the company by doing little things like letting people know when you're at your computer and when you're not. One of the things that we do at Inspire Hub is always keep our calendars updated with whatever project or meetings we are currently working on. Right now, as I'm recording this, in my calendar, it says recording commentary. And I have my time blocked on my calendar and my notification snoozed so I can focus. No matter who's looking for me right now, if I'm not responding, they can look at my calendar, know what's going on, and when I'm next available. And of course, if it's an emergency, they know how to reach me. 
With the world in the state that it's currently in, many people have found themselves moving into these remote environments, maybe not knowing some of the things that we've been talking about, which helps to navigate this new reality. Carolyn was interested in hearing Chris's thoughts about people facing this very issue. What do you think right now about, you know, the big conversation piece is that people are saying there's Zoom fatigue and everybody's exhausted and this is too hard. And, you know, what's your observations on that? Because, you know, I think when you get to do something voluntarily and then you also have, you know, there was that element of people like, oh, you're so lucky you get to work from home. It makes it even feel better. But now, you know, everybody has to do it. And now everybody's saying how hard it is. What's what's your take on that? I think I I just have the advantage of probably experiencing a lot of what people are experiencing now starting years ago. And funny enough, even when we lived in the UK, we didn't have any friends or family in the very beginning. And so in a lot of ways, we were quarantined. Now we could leave the house and do stuff, but we didn't know anyone. We couldn't dump our kids off somewhere at school or somewhere. And then we were trying to work at the same time. It was uh, almost that exact same balance that people have been working on real recently. And so, you know, what my lessons that, or, or let me say it this way, I'm talking to some people next week who are thinking about, hey, our office lease is coming up, maybe we should cancel it. And my, uh, my experience for us, at least is like, no way, don't do that. Absolutely embrace elements of remote. But there are so many things that you're not thinking about, if you just straight up abandon ship and, and, you know, go remote. And those uh, zoom fatigue is absolutely real. Even for me, I have to kind of limit basically how many hours of video I'll do a day. And and if that's over about four hours, I know that that's going to be really bad long-term. I could do that, you know, a day or two or, you know, somewhat infrequently, but got to keep a cap on that. And then I'll go to audio. Like the phone is actually funny enough for for a lot of people. If if they'll pick up the phone these days, they'll find it's actually a really much uh, less taxing way to have a conversation with somebody. You can pace around your house, you can, you know, do whatever. But I think, uh, you know, the other thing for us is relationships are still super important and those will get taxed in a remote world. And so at a bare minimum, I, I kind of encourage people to at least think about keeping an office as a hybrid moment to say, yeah, maybe you don't need to fill it every day. That's probably smart and fine and helpful to people, but as a, a good convening place, so if you can get people together, or if you need to go through a, a project or a process that's like, hey, let's kind of get together for a, a week-long period, you can do that still really easily. And so I, I think there's a lot of great benefits to remote, but I, I actually love the, uh, I don't live near our office, but we do have two offices uh, kind of around the country and it does become a great place to meet at times. Yeah. And just even having a place to store all the things that you need for business, whether that's your trade show booths or, you know, different things like that. Absolutely. Another thing for small business owners, maybe considering going fully remote is that you have to consider whether or not your team would want to continue doing their job remotely because it's a different mindset. You almost have to have this independent mindset that's entrepreneurial in a way when you're working in a remote culture. We wanted to know how Chris onboarded new employees who were coming to Formstack from a more traditional environment where you may have more dependency on your team rather than yourself. You know, the most important thing that we teach people is that we are not very good at handholding. And so, you know, we put it on ourselves that it's our problem, not yours, but it helps you see that yeah, you're going to have to do something to, uh, to overcome it. And what we mean by that is we're not going to come alongside you very well and say, 
hey, let's go on this new journey to start a new initiative or, or start a new project. And let's kind of micromanage along the way. We're going to say, uh, you think you've got a new way to grow sales or build product or support our customers? Great. Go work on it and, you know, let us know how it goes and, you know, come back to us at some point and say, here's the plan and here's where I'm going and, and we'll, we'll give you feedback, but you need to be very proactive about that. We're not going to be very good at inviting you to do it. We, we need you to opt in. And so some of it's just saying it and that can tend to be helpful. And then just continuing to give people opportunities to to do that, just that and say, when they bring you, because people will bring ideas often to you. So when you can turn that around and say, all right, it's a great idea. I'd love to see what you want to do with it. You've got a week or two weeks or, you know, and, and let's see what it looks like. Yeah. I, uh, I like to tell my staff, oh, that's a fantastic idea. The way it works is if it's your idea, then you get to do all the work. that's right right. congratulations step on up and they're like oh oh especially when they first start they're like that wasn't exactly what i was expecting you know because in most companies they take your idea oh we're gonna go let these other people work on it no my whole my whole uh kind of premise is if it came from you then you might be the right person to actually implement so go get it done that cultural way of thinking is exactly how this podcast started Carolyn and I took a business road trip and I introduced her to the world of podcasting. And when we were done listening to some of my favorite episodes, she was super hyped to listen to more. And that made me happy because I was like, okay, I'm glad you're enjoying these podcasts because I want to make a podcast for InspireHub. I don't know what it's going to be about, but here's how I envision the format being. And one day I'll make it happen. A year and a bit later, here we are with Big on Small. I brought this idea forward And when the time was right, implemented it. And now it's one of the things that keeps me energized and engaged every day. Because we get to share stories like Chris's and maybe even one day your small business story. 1-844-967-2428. If you want to just give us a ring and tell us, thanks. Anyways, Chris will tell you that seeing people's ideas come to fruition within Formstack is one of the things he loves the most about their culture. I don't want to be in an organization where I have a wonderful idea, I think, and I deliver it to somebody and they go execute on it and, and then it comes into the wild. That's that's okay. Like that needs to happen at times. But where I have people coming to me and saying, this is what I want to do and I've, got, I've spent some time on it, I've done some research and I'm ready to go put a plan behind it. And then when it gets out in the wild and then a customer adopts it and says, this is great, that is the most wonderful thing because I think that's where we start to enable people to really grow their leadership. And that's when we can release our organization to grow faster than maybe we do as individuals and as leaders. And I think that that becomes a kind of a beautiful moment. Your people are your tools as a small business. So use them, ask for their ideas, and then listen. If you're a leader or you want to be, That's the best way to develop a more diverse and a more dynamic organization. Chris spoke to us about his own personal mission and what makes him get out of bed every morning. Simon Sinek talks about uh, kind of the the five whys or, or finding your why or why you're doing something. And for me, that why statement, that mission statement is developing leaders into great leaders. And so... I've got to start there and I've got to remember what is it I'm about, even if I got fired tomorrow, what would I probably end up doing somewhere else, maybe in a different format? And for me, it it is that 
leadership development. And when things are bad, when things are frustrating, when I just want, when I want to give up, I go back to that and say, all right, do I still have leadership development that I can do? Can I still be effective? Can I still help others grow? And I start to rebuild from there. And that then turns into company vision and, and kind of the motivation. But I always tell people, I think you have to find that personal thing about yourself, the way you were built, that is going to be true about you, whether you work here forever or you're kind of employment ends tomorrow. And what's the thing that you're going to carry with you? What's the way you like to interact with people or how you like to help people or types of problems you like to solve? Because it's going to stay the same. And if you can figure that out, that will give you so much energy for the work that you do. I love building and, and having personal kind of engaging relationships. And so for me, the thing that keeps me motivated is I know that, again, no matter what goes on, I will get to get on a one-on-one with somebody I've come to love and care about You know, next week. I, I'll do this with multiple people, but it, at least one person I'll be able to get on. And I still feel like I've got an ability to help pull barriers down for them, encourage them, give them advice, give them feedback, and that that ultimately is going to make them better and that that ultimately keeps me in the game and makes me want to keep doing kind of what I do. If, if the people were not there, um, that would eventually fade away and uh, you know, I just wouldn't want to do it anymore. Chris and the team at Formstack also wouldn't be where they are today if not for their customers and the multiple problems he's seen their products solve for organizations of all sizes. One company in particular that Chris remembers having a big impact early on within their organization was in 2015 with this company called Crossroads Hospice in Memphis, Tennessee. I got on the phone with one of them one time and they started to describe this call center they had. And the call center was all about getting nurses and doctors to patients in a hospice moment. And that kind of conversation turned into can we just come visit you? Like they just seemed like super friendly people and great people. And so we wanted to see how they were working. And so we kind of hopped on a plane and, and took a group of people down there and got to sit with them for a day. And as we sat with them, saw how they used our product to solve getting to that patient as fast as possible. And they could have probably bought something, but it would have cost them a lot more money. And it wouldn't have actually operated quite in the speed that they wanted to work. They wanted something that they could kind of clip, submit on a form and that nurse or that doctor's notified immediately. And it was just really amazing to see somebody who took our our basic building blocks, which wouldn't have gotten them where they, you know, kind of where they got building this basically a EMR or a, this management system for their their business and all on top of Formstack. And so that was just kind of a, a wonderful moment to both see their delight and see people, frankly, of all ages and all walks of life using the product and loving using it. And uh, just seeing the smiles on their faces was was so encouraging. We have linked the full case study to Crossroads Hospice on the podcast page for this episode in case you were interested in seeing what exactly the Formstack solutions were that they were using. I found it interesting that this was the story that impacted Chris as it ties so nicely into his journey up to that point. You know, solving problems for people that are motivated to help others in the healthcare industry. Talk about some common themes. Today, with COVID happening around the world, the team at Formstack have been constantly reminded how much their product is helping other organizations throughout various industries, including small businesses who've had to overnight basically shut their doors and go digital. 
one of the cool stories that I know we got to work on together was this story of uh, Cooper's Hawk, a, a winery in Canada. And they all of a sudden needed to shut their doors. And so you've got a, a, a thriving business that no longer has the stream of income that they were used to. And what do we do? And they were able to uh, kind of work together with all of us, get get a, an order form up for their wine. And all of a sudden, they're still in business. And I think that's just so encouraging to be. Most days, I don't really think we're solving world problems. Uh, we're helping people save time, save money. And that's wonderful. But just to be able to see businesses actually survive and thrive in the middle of all this has been really cool to see. And I, I know our, we've used that story internally so many times just to remind people, hey, we get to do something that's a little bit special and uh, not everybody gets that opportunity. And so cool to actually be able to help in the middle of a world crisis. Yeah. And I'm so glad because for us, it was inspiring to get, well, you know, it was heart wrenching to get the phone call and they were just like, what are we going to do? We just leaped in and we were like, we, we can do this. We can get this done. And it was two days later, we had the, all of their, everything, their entire product line in up. And they were, I remember, um, and you'll, you will want to hear this, Chris. So one of the things that warmed my heart was the excitement in the owner's voice, Tom, when he called me to tell me that he had gotten an order at three in the morning. You know, they had never yeah, gotten yeah. an order at three in the morning before. And it was a frontline nurse who had just come off shift. And so I thought, wow, you know, you don't think about digital. We we kind of think of it in bottom line and sales and different things like that. But, you know, to all of a sudden have this story where one, we're helping this beautiful business you know, keep open, keep their employees employed, which is really important. But also on the other side of it was this nurse coming off shift of, you can only imagine. And one of the very first orders is being done at three in the morning after she's probably had a very long day. And she's just like, everybody else in the world is already asleep. And here she is on this uh, winery being like, you know what, I'm going to order myself a nice bottle of wine. And I just thought, you know, that's, I said to Tom, for so many different reasons, I said, that is exciting. And, it, and it's not small and it's not silly. It's beautiful. It was and still is beautiful the way businesses across the world have innovated and made digital transformations to keep their business going. Whether that be opening their store online like Cooper's Hawk did, using forms and processes to take care of patients in hospice care like Crossroads, or just working remotely to follow social distance guidelines. There's so many stories out there, and we want to know how you've adjusted to working in this new world. Go to bigonsmall.biz to contact us or call us on our toll-free number, 1-844-967-2428. Before we end the show, here's Chris's advice to small business owners that may be hesitating to take a risk, whether that be in their business or in life. I think it also comes back to, I see a problem in the world and I just have, I want to see it solved. And that at some point your motivation has to be enough to want to solve it. And yet if you will begin down that path of wanting to solve it, and this goes back to though, I don't think you can be super motivated by money and motivated by these things that won't last. Um, you do have to have something a, a bit deeper in mind, but I think persistence has got to be the, the least 
motivating word ever. But uh, one of the coolest things we ever saw was a couple of years in, it was like, oh, everybody's growing faster than us. There's these huge success stories and uh, we're behind. And then all of a sudden we wake up seven years in and we're like, oh, we've actually grown to a decent size. And we're, this is like a meaningful, you know, people know who we are organization. And I, I think that persistence and continuing after it, if you can keep solving that problem and figure out the vision, where are you going, uh, really can drive you forward to uh, just a great organization. There's a lot happening at Formstack as they continue to add to their suite of products that helps companies of all sizes be more productive. And we love how easy and affordable they've created their product to be for small businesses. If you're interested in how Formstack can save you time and automate parts of your business, InspireHub is a verified partner and we'd love to help you. Go to inspirehub.com and contact us for more information. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and then go check out Ripple Effect, a Formstack podcast where Chris connects with professionals from all over the country to reveal how making simple yet smart business decisions can create lasting change. In one episode, he chats with Ade about his unique perspective on current times as a black tech founder and investor in America. It's a great episode, and I highly recommend you check it out. Visit bigonsmall.biz to join our community of small businesses and find helpful resources. To learn more about what we talked about in today's episode, read show highlights, and more, go to bigonsmall.biz slash podcast and visit the post for this episode. We're working on new stories where we need your help. Call and tell us how you've had to make small or big changes to the way you do business since COVID started. The number to call is 1-844-967-CHAT. That's 1-844-967-2428. We listen to each and every message. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big On Small. The Big On Small podcast is powered by InspireHub creators of the award-winning iHub app digital experience platform. Big on Small is produced and directed by me, Samantha Castro. And me, Carolyn Hart. Additional support by Sue Braden, Richard Brashear, Audrey Duncan, and Sue Jenks. Music by Noah Smith and mixed by Samantha Castro. For the full list of credits, visit the podcast page for this episode. Thanks for listening.